Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Game Shot, the Fallout Bar Night 3. Once again, myself, Jack Gobby Garwood. Joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Lee Boys in some very interesting attire tonight. He has brought up a jazzy shirt for us all after yet another appearance in the Winter Gardens. Mr. Boyce, how has your day been in the absolute sweat box? Oh, tonight was absolutely ridiculous how warm it is in there tonight. So bad, so bad. However, that sweet Caroline to start the night off was somewhat special. It was so good. Oh yeah, I moved round up until up to the first the balcony, first balcony to watch it. Um because it was so good. Um I know I keep saying so good, but there's a reason. So why. good, so good, so <laughs> good, as the song goes, mate. <laughs> uh four games for us to sit and review tonight instead of the eight that we saw last night, as we conclude round one here on night three at the Betfred World match play. Uh, don't forget, guys. Uh, well, hello and welcome, actually, to everybody in the chat room. If you're watching us live on YouTube, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, Malachi says, Lee, go into Potwad after this is over. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong, mate. Tonight is the night that the boys make their first venture out to Potwad. Jar's in the background somewhere and he is absolutely ready for it as well. Um, me, I'm off to bed early ish. Um, to get myself back in my nice new air-conditioned office because that was absolutely lovely for today. I've never so, been so happy to be at work in my life. Before before we start with the darts, how was the first day in the new job? Oh, it was all right, mate. I had a 90-minute lunch, which I went to Weatherspoons, and I finished <laughs> half an hour early. So, you know, I've done bugger all. Thanks sounds, very like much. Got a, sounds like you had a better <laughs> day than me. <laughs> I cannot complain at all. Um, so, yeah. Moving on to the darts. Um, game number one, 
Let, let's talk about the crowd, actually, because it was full capacity tonight. You mentioned Sweet Caroline. The difference, the capacity from the last two nights to tonight made to the noise, the atmosphere, just everything has been absolutely massive tonight, I think. Yeah, it's in MK for the Premier League and the first two days of Blackpool, we've spoke about how good the atmosphere has been. But actually, comparing it to tonight, and it has been very good and fair play to everyone who's been in the crowd for that, all those nights. But tonight, especially early on, it's very strange to a normal dart night where normally it builds up and gradually by the end of the day, everyone's up off the seat. It was a bit of a flip reverse tonight and we saw the early dames where the atmosphere for the first two dames was just incredible. It was so good um, that... I would probably throw out and say for Winter Gardens on a Monday night session, it's started to be one of the best it's ever been. Obviously, it's Freedom Day as well, but Monday nights at Winter Gardens never normally as good as that, I think. Yeah, no, you can't be far as it's round one. Like, if it was creating this around two or, or the quarterfinals, perhaps, um, then maybe we've seen atmospheres like that before. But it just felt like the full crowd, with everything that was going on today, Players on show, the, the walk on music, everything just added to the spectacle that it just went up an extra level. Like having fans back in as test events for the last couple of times, the Premier League, um, World Championships for that one day that you were there for as well. You seem to be an absolute magnet for it. Um, <laughs> and the first two nights here at Blackpool, look, it's been great to have them back, but nothing, I mean, absolutely nothing can replicate the feeling, the emotion, the atmosphere that a full sporting crowd can create. Anybody that watched the British Grand Prix at the weekend, oh my God, that was loud. 140,000 people in attendance for that. It, it's just mind-boggling. and it's. I don't think we realise what we've got until it's gone. It's definitely one of those situations, isn't it? Because for 18 months, we've had sport behind closed doors. And now they're back and we're like, oh my God, we, we took this for granted so much. Yeah, and we're going to obviously start with the um, White and Derny, and it's probably leading into that is the performance that we've seen from White and Derny over the past few months hasn't been what we've seen from them tonight. Um, and it's because, surely, there's one or two ways you can deal with that atmosphere, and we'll probably touch upon a player who went the other way towards the end of the night. But the first two players down onto that stage, they reacted to it. And from the early part of that game, with some of the Tom Plus finishes we've, we saw... And it turned what we saw as a game, and but me and you were predicting one that was hoping for a bit of a nil-nil, I'm sure I said yesterday. It's actually flipped round the other way, and it was a game that you wanted to go on that little bit longer. Yeah, you're absolutely bang on, mate. The start of it was electric. Those ton pluses, it was like dishing out ton pluses, like it was selection boxes at Christmas to all the kids at school. It was ridiculous how many they were just banging in for fun. Um but actually, I think the most important part of the game was towards that back end when it started getting a little bit tense. To start with, they both came up, they both delivered. They had absolutely nothing to lose in, in what on paper was a winnable game for both of them. But as that tension started to creep in, as they started to approach that winning line, it kind of been just me that was thinking if anybody can blow that lead, it would be Ian White. Because we've seen it from him so many times on TV before. Yeah, and... I don't want to be too harsh on Daryl Durning because that atmosphere, they haven't played in front of that for so long. But 
if it was a player who was playing well, Daryl Durney was given so many opportunities in the back end of that game. And there was a, a chance where he missed five seed starts at a double in a lead. And Ian White, the fans were batting Durney at that stage. Um, but Ian White had that, so many more opportunities. He was missing free and still coming back. And we don't see that very often. Um, it's going to be very hard for Ian White moving forward. But yeah, it was given plenty of opportunities tonight. He started very well. He started very well. And it was that lead that won him the day. It wasn't anything else for me. It was the lead early on that won him the day. Yeah, that, that break into the first mini session break or interval, if you like, really set him up. This is a weird one, if you look at that. Gurney outscored him in the turns. He outscored him in the 140s. And he outscored him in the 180s. Yet you had 10 less attempts at a double than Ian White, who managed to get over the line. Um, if, if you hadn't watched the game, that would be absolutely impossible to make sense of what I'm seeing on paper here. But it is Ian White that progresses to play Michael Van Gerwen, who we will get onto a little bit later. Um, let's hear from Ian White. Um, as usual, we have clips of all of the interviews from the tonight's winners over on our YouTube channel. Um, obviously, don't go and look at them now. We want you to stay carry on watching us. But once we've finished, pop over there. And anyone you want to hear in full, you can do that over there. So this is Ian White in his post-match conference. Hey, yeah. I've got to have an operation on the 4th of August. So, um, you know, that's going to put me out a bit. Um, there's not a lot I can do, you know. So I've just got to get on with it. And, you know, with this COVID, the way we've, you know, we've, we've gone on with this COVID and that, it's not me at the top 16. It's done everything. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way the um, you know the tournaments have gone. I've done well in the Europeans two years ago, and then all of a sudden it's been taken off us, and we can't travel. So I'm struggling. So um, it's nice to get over that line. You mentioned a couple of things. Normally we don't dissect these interviews too, but we leave you to go and have a look at them. But actually, it's interesting that a he's got an operation coming up. So he's playing through an injury at the minute. And B, he mentioned dropping out of the top 16. But actually, that win tonight jumps him ahead of Daryl Gurney. He is back into the top 16 after that result. Yeah, but you expected to flip back possibly because you're not sure what the operation and how London's going to move him out for. Yeah. Might not mean he's in there for the, um, the back end. However, we say, we say you want to be number 16, so you're seeded for certain things. But when it comes to the World Championship, do you want to be 16? I'm not quite sure you do. Probably not. There's a long <laughs> way to go before you get to the seeded round of the World Championship, yeah. though. Yeah. Right, let's move on to game number two, and a game that many people thought had extra legs written all over it, myself included, and, and even you after your prediction last night, Lee. Um, yeah. First mini-session did not look like it was going to happen at all. Second mini-session, here we go, we've got a game on our hands. Third session completely got away from Mervyn King again as Nathan Ashmore runs out a 10-6 winner. Yeah, and I think one thing we, we spoke about yesterday with Mervyn King was the heat. And I will say, being in there for every session today was something else. It was so warm. So warm. I wanted to have a nice few drinks today, but I, I ended up having to turn to water because it was that warm. That I needed to just, <laughs> you get old, mate. You get old. I oh, know, it was, it was ridiculous in there tonight. And I think... You don't want to say that for Mervyn King. The one thing for me that you looked at tonight in his performance was the the doubling. I know I had a look after twelve leads. He was on twenty six percent, and the majority of those were 
are at the left side of the board, which is obviously is where he likes to die. Um, which was very, very strange to see that. And one thing we got from Aspinall is we saw it with the Premier League and we didn't see it again this week, is the fans are behind him. 100% the fans are behind Nathan Aspinall. Whoever he plays, the fans are going to back him. Well, you say that because we know who he plays next when we get on to game number four, which might be completely different in the Winter Gardens. Let's talk about that King finishing stat. On TV this year, the man has a finishing stat of over 50%. Tonight, he hit just 28% of his darts at double. Six out of 21. That is not very Mervyn King at all. Nathan Aspinall, 10 from 25 on his. 5 1 from him. No Tom Plus checkout, which we are sometimes used to seeing from Asp pinging in that big shot to really break his opponent. But a 94 average for Aspu. I tell you what, his post-match interview was classy as well. The way, he, like I said, he's got the fans behind him and the way that he responded to up on stage with that interview saying it's class to have him there after not having him for so long was mega. Yeah, and it shows and it definitely on our show, we talked about it an awful lot, whether it be uh, any Super Series or Live Land, we talked about how important a good water on Sundays. Nathan Aspinall with a water on, straight away he's got the fans on his side and um, it's very strange looking at those two dames and the stats of those two dames because I thought there was better until I looked at the stats afterwards to see that Aspinall 94 and him 92. It seemed like a better dame, as did the first one to those stats, but it was those missed doubles that obviously brought that down. Um, but it is going to be very, very interesting, um, as you've just mentioned around the, the fan support that Nathan Aspinall's got, is... Will we see it next time? I think we will. I think he's, he's up there as one of the fans' favourites at the moment. We know that changes very often, but at the moment, I would say so. Yeah. I've completely lost my trail of thought there. What a, what a <laughs> moment. There it is, the first mistake of the night. We knew it was coming. It was all going far too smoothly. <laughs> at that point. Um, let's just jump to Nathan Asimov's interview and see what he had to say about the game uh, after his win over Mervyn King. And, you know, what a night. Um, the crowd would bang on my side, chant out the England tunes. I was back at Wembley. <laughs> Halfway through that game, I had, to, I had to kind of say to myself, Nathan, you're playing darts, you're not back in Wembley. Calm down. Um, but it was fantastic. You know, they, they were fantastic. I can't keep saying it. They were brilliant. They've enjoyed their night and, you know, they, they put a smile on my face for the first time in a long time playing darts. And I really enjoyed it and I got the result. Quite a young man. He says the right things at the right time, does Nathan? He, he's earning a lot of plaudits and a lot of fans by the way that he conducts himself in the media. Right, next up, game number three. The entrance of the world number three, the green machine. Um, sneaking, sneaking. Look at that. That was a sigh of relief. He was messaging me when Damon Hetter led this match 6-4 at the break. Going, if this carries on, you're going to have to find someone else for the show tonight. Because I did back Damon to win this match. And there was a moment where we thought he was going to do it. But like Nathan, who his performance was incredibly intense, Michael Van Gerwen finds an extra gear after the second interval and just runs away with 10 7 in the end, Lee. And I want to say, it was at Sit4, I was, I was trying to find someone else to step in to do the show with you because <laughs> I thought this is going to be very horrible for me. I might need uh, a little more than one bud to see me through the show if, if uh, Hetter would have won. However, what happened was in 16 first-round games, I have finally predicted a threat store. 
Just one. Uh-huh. But that was the one. Just one. That's it. So I'm taking it. So the roles reversed, and and I'm going to be the smug one in this. But from a ten-seven win, not the way I expected a ten-seven win. I expected more from Damon Hetter, but probably more the MVG way. I expected an awful lot more. Those first ten leads, um, <laughs> those first ten leads could have certainly done either way. A lot of those. It was a it was a very disappointing showing early on from MVG. He stepped up when he, he, he needed to, but if he's playing against a better player at those early stages, he's not, it's not sits for at that stage. Yeah, yeah do you, somewhere if you listen carefully enough, you can just about hear him. He's currently sat next to Jarlin, who is producing this show. So if you listen <laughs> carefully enough, you can just hear his smile. Um, <laughs> uh, Damon Hatter, let, let's have a quick word about him. Um, the last time he played on TV was the UK Open, and it did not go to plan. He, he got beat by David Evans. Um, he hasn't quite hit the heights that we expected after last year. He had some quality performances, struggled a little bit on the Pro Tour. Um, only a 90 average from him. He needs to find that extra gear, doesn't he? Yeah, and there, there's the point of the game where he was um, 60% on his doubles at 7 sits. Um, behind, and he missed missed five, I believe, at that point. Um, but what we've seen from Hetter is we know he can finish. He, you know, he's sort of he's been tipped as the sort of Wade, as the next Wade in regards to how he's finishing is. However, um, his storing wasn't there to compete with MVG and a very, I wouldn't even say B Dame MVG, probably C Dame MVG. We saw today, and he wasn't able to compete with that in the storing. Because early on, it says how his doubling was at 60%. If he'd have got himself more opportunities, then that store line could have been very different at that stage. And and that was the point. Here he is, Mr. Barnes. Straight after the comment about how his inconsistency probably won't help him win the tournament when we're referring to MVG. Um, I completely agree with that. To be honest, it wasn't the almighty performance that we're used to seeing. I think John Park summed it up perfectly that his rivals saw that he has got a bit of fight about him, but they also saw tonight that he is vulnerable. There were times in this match where he was trailing to an 88 average. Don't get me wrong, his finishing stats at that point were fantastic. And it's only when he missed, was it five in hand at one point? Yeah. To win another leg that it completely cost him any stats tanked. Um, but Van Gogh has to find another level. Oh, 100%. If he's going um, to win his first title since November last year. I'm going to keep banging on about it until that stat changes. November last year. We are closer to that date again than we are going back to that year. It's over half a year. It, it is mental when we're talking about MVG. Um, but it's hard. To, the only positive was today was how we, how we performed after that second break. It, for me, is the only positive because the level that MVG can play at and how MVG was speaking in his uh, press conference before the game, um, you, I expected a completely different performance from him. Not maybe to the 110, 109 sort of that he can do, um, but at least a lot better than what he did. Um, it was it was disappointing early on and there was worrying signs for both MVG and me on this stream review. 
<laughs> he's made two finals and four semi-finals this year. It's not exactly a rush. No, completely. But the conversation with Michael Van Gerwen is always going to be the former world number one that absolutely dominated for multiple years. This is the first year since 2014 he has not been the number one seed at the World's play. Yeah. This time last year, he was in a rosy enough position, wasn't he? Like, okay, he hadn't won the World Championship, but he was still looking okay enough. There were signs of a dip, but he looked like he was correcting that. Went on to win the Players' Championship in, in November, and you thought, okay, here we go. He's dropped a third in the world right now. And and there's nothing better than someone who's producing the show, putting his own comments on the screen. That's that's next level. I've no, I've not seen that before. Mr. Eaton is oh. putting his own comments on. <laughs> well, he did it last night under the guise of the online darts thing. So let, let's not pretend that he doesn't just want to be involved. Anyway. Bless him. And before uh, right, before anyone asks, before anyone asks, he's not here to wave or show his face this time. He's in a completely yeah. different building from me today. So I don't say that. He'll just pop up in another window now. Uh, <laughs> from Michael Van Gerwen, and so we can get round one over and done with with the final game and then we can look at our predictions ahead of tomorrow so here is michael van gerwen in his big numbers of course I, I, even today I, I played some absolute crap legs but also when i had to do i threw a nice 11 dart and things like that and i feel it's coming but you need to keep winning games that's the only medicine what you have to do to to get your confidence and to get everything back on track To paraphrase, he did the right things at the right moment. He's going to have that on a T-shirt, along with Gary Anderson saying, I just want to play darts. Which, amazingly, Gary Anderson said in his pre-match interview with Sky before he went on stage tonight, as he rounded off round one with a 10-5 victory over the very potentially dangerous Stephen Bunting. Um, last time I had a Winter Garden, Stephen Bunting was fantastic. Made the semi-final. Since then, he's won a Pro Tour. His first in five years. Tonight, however... 84 average from the bullet. Never really looked like threatening Gary Anderson at all, who runs that 10-5 winner. Probably for me, out of everyone we've seen across the um, first four sessions, the person I'm probably most disappointed in is Stephen Bunting. We've seen people who have who have hit uh, lower averages than him this week. However, from what Stephen Bunting or we've seen it can do on the uh, Super Series, I expected better from him tonight. And to push Gary is you never know what you're going to get from uh, Derry Anderson. He played okay, uh, and I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. He played okay, but he wasn't pushed at all by Bunting. Um, it, it was very disappointing, and, and we know that Bunting will come back. And Bunting has got the ability to, you know, push to quarter semis and potentially even finals on certain stages. But it was just disappointing from uh, Stephen today. Yeah, word on Gary, last year's runner-up, we all know the pedigree of the man using new darts, or, or so he says, they look like the Phase 4s to me, despite releasing some shiny new Phase 5s in the Unicorn launch earlier in the week. Uh, 94 average, 10 from 28 on the doubles. He missed more doubles in the match than Stephen Bunting attempted, full stop. Um, 3-1-80s, no ton plus checkout for him. Um, tough match in the next round for him as well, as he will play Nathan Aspinall. Um, I'm, I'm still not sold on his darts. I have to say it, and I have to say it every single time. He produced magic with them in Dubai. God knows how long ago. It must be six or seven years ago now. But the three darts never go in the same way. They all land in the board differently. And it's incredibly difficult to group the dart like Gary Anderson can. 
Because when he was throwing the World Championship dart, the straight barrel, if that first dart was in the top of the treble, he was firing at a 180. Absolutely no doubt about it. Now, there's, there's just too much deviation for me to be using these if he's going to win titles. The, the thing with Gary, I think, and it's different to MVG from what we see from how to summarise their performances is MVG is so fixated on the sort of average and how he performs in certain games. And we don't see that from Darry Anderson. So I don't want to sort of go down the route of saying that where his average wasn't right and his storming wasn't where it should be because we know that when he plays a player who's performing better and Aspinall's just going to go up there and do his stuff, that I think we will see an improved Darry Anderson. I'm not going to say, you know, he's going to push on and um, go and don't win this or push on to the last stage. It's a very, very tough game. And the one thing that I'm looking forward to a lot is what side the fans are going to do in this one because it is going to be it's going to be very fun to see which side the doubt as they've been two of the fans' favourite. Yeah, completely agree. Right, let's hear from Gary and then we can start looking ahead to tomorrow and round two. Uh, so here is Gary in post-match press conference. I think so. It's uh, there's going to be uh, yeah, yeah. There's a hell of a lot of players now. Is Van Gillen going to win it? No. Am I going to win it? Probably not. Peter Wright? Probably not. I think you might see somebody new win it this year. Who would you? Who would you? Oh, I don't go then? down that road. I've just gave you my tip. But uh, <laughs> no, there, there's so many. You know, I've I've watched the uh, Yossi play. That's something else. That is something else. You're talking about the youngsters like Dimitri and all them. Nah. Yossi is something else in that practice board. If you, if you get time to sit and watch them, something different. as good as Gary just going, nah, these guys are going to win it. These guys, like, he just completely wrote off Peter Wright, which is the second person to do that this week. One of them being Joe Cullen ahead of their showdown later in the week. <laughs> right, let's look ahead to round two. Let's talk you quickly through the draw and then we'll look at the fixtures for tomorrow. Uh, going down in bracket order. So, in round two, Battle of the Welshman, number one seed against number 16. Gerwin Price will play Johnny Clayton. Uh, it's eight versus nine in the rest of that bracket as well. Dimitri Vandenberg takes on Dave Chisnell. Luke Humphreys, one of only two non-seeded players to come through. Round one take on Christoph Ratajski. And the winner of that will play Rob Cross or Callum Ridd to make that three unseeded players. I miss Ridds. Uh, in the bottom half of the draw, Peter Wright will take on Joe Cullen. Uh, the winner of that will play Michael Smith or Jose de Souza. Michael Van Gerwen play Ian White on Wednesday, as will Gary Anderson against Nathan Aspinall. Tomorrow then, mate, let's march through these as quickly as we can so that everybody can get a good notch kit. Uh, game number one, Rob Cross against Callum Rids. Um, earlier in the week, we were looking at this draw being pretty open. Um, but if Rob Cross plays the way he did in round one, job done, surely. Yes, and I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to see much of a different performance from Rids, um, which so Cross doesn't have to perform at the level he did the other day, and um, for me, so I think Cross would be a strong favourite in that one. Um, first to eleven tomorrow is he? Correct. I'm sure you're going to remind me before I put my uh, Twitter post on tomorrow about the predictions. I called you out for that earlier. We hadn't actually checked your predictions and I had to sit going through the video yesterday to double check what you'd put. And there was one digit wrong to what you typed out. So what an absolute waste of time. I just thought I'd wind you up. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, and 
I think Riggs is going to put on more of a fight than what he did. Um, a better performance, I should say, sorry, than what he did against Lendor. Um, but 11 sits on the Nadal for Rob Cross. I do, I, I do think one thing we will see from Rob Cross tomorrow is I'm not sure if we'll see the average and the storing that we've seen from him the other day. However, I do think we'll see the finishing that we saw and I think he'll get more opportunity with Rids. So I think probably about halfway, so although 11 sits. Yeah, I'm in that ballpark as well, personally. I don't think we'll see the 100 average. And if we do, then people need to watch out because I'll be back-to-back for Rob Cross on TV at an event where he previously won, throwing with a C game. However, he's still going to throw a 95-96 average, and I think that'll be enough for a 10, 10, 7, 11-7, 11-7 mm-hmm. victory for Rob Cross. Curtis Reed has gone 11-5 to Rob Cross. Interesting on that one. Game two. Um, before the draw, if you told me this was going to be the matchup, probably wouldn't have believed you. Luke Humphreys will take on Christoph Ratajski after two of the best performances in round one. Yeah, and I hope I hope Joseph is right that it could be an epic. I really hope it is. And we spoke about this the other day. There's certain players who we say in Tomlinia with not much form and the, that average the first time can they produce it consistently. But there's going to be a couple of players who get through to the latter stages and don't have to. So... Humphreys Ratoisty is going to be a difficult one. Well, all three, the next three for me are, are quite difficult at all. I think Humphreys just takes it. Um, I'm going to go 11. I haven't had a chance to look at these, and this is why I hate about now. This is why my Twitter post is slightly different. I've reviewed <laughs> them a little bit more. I'm going to go 11 8, Luke Humphreys, mate. I'm. I'm I was going to agree with you again, to be honest. I just think. You know that's a bad move, straight away. Well, the, the, the issue is, I didn't see that performance coming from Ratajski in round one, and I struggled to see how he backed it up because he's been so inconsistent on the pro tour. I'm expecting that form to carry on on stage. Luke hasn't been setting the world a lot on the pro tour himself, but his TV game got him to a UK Open final. It got him to back-to-back World Championship quarterfinals. It won him a World Youth yeah. Championship. He absolutely loves being up there. The problem is, if it goes wrong for Luke, it goes very, very wrong. He's not going to average 95, 96. He'll average 100 and absolutely at the park, or he'll average high 80s and be in trouble against Ritaiski. So I'm banking on him averaging that 100 and getting over the line. I'm going to go 11, 7 to Luke, because if that scoring power turns up, I just don't see how Ritaiski matches it tomorrow. Um, loves a 140, not many 180s from the Polish Eagle. Game number three, oh my God, we have the game that everybody was clamouring for in round one. The two most prolific TV title winners of the last nine months. Easily, there's only been one other TV title one, and that was picked up by James Wade, who is no longer in the tournament. Yay. Keep shooting myself in the foot with that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't do anything then as well. Yeah, all right, all right. Gerwin Price against Johnny Clayton and I'm going to go first on this one because if it's going to happen I want it to happen in this one we're going to get extra legs and I want to see extra legs I cannot wait to see extra legs between these two just going at it because playing your teammate your countryman and your friend is completely different on that stage 
to playing anybody else. And I want to see if that changes the way that Gerwin Price approaches the game, approaches the way that he responds to the crowd, to, to big shots and in those key moments. And that's what I'm really intrigued to see. And I want to see that for as long as possible with these two just going out. And I, part of me is a little bit worried that Clayton just fades off a little bit because of the respect he's got for Gezi, that they both talk back to him incredibly highly. Um, but I'm going to go Clayton because I went for that last Monday. Um, and I'm going to go 14-12. I hope to see that. I really hope to see that, to be honest, mate. But it's another one. We're talking about the Aspinall-Anderson one. It's another one with the fans that I'm intrigued to see which way they side um, because there's a, there always seems to be a lot of Welsh fans wherever we go, but what side are they on in this one? There's a certain Welsh person I've spoke to who's in the media room and who is siding with Clayton. And for this one, I think Price is going to do it. I've just got a feeling that Price is going to do him. And I'm even going to say that I think Price is going to do him quite well. I'm going to go 11-7, Irwin Price. Just got a feeling we're going to see more from him. And I worry a bit how much respect Clayton pays to Price, where we know when, as soon as the the nine practice starts are done, Price doesn't care who's playing. We've seen it plenty of times. I just think he'll do him... I don't want to say comfortably, but around 11.7 for Price. But I hope your prediction is right on that one. Yeah. He'll be if Johnny's hitting his doubles, he will not be touching his. For me, the key is his 140. He's arguably the best 140 hitter on the planet right now. He's unbelievable at that. Um, final game of the night. Um, Abe Chisnell against the reigning champion, Dimitri Vandenberg. Uh, what's your opinion on this one, mate? I'm going to go short and sweet with this one. I'm going to go Dimmy, 11, 9. But a very good game, very high scoring game, but 11, 9. The concern here, if you're a Dave Chisnell fan, is Dimitri's fishing and his lack of power scoring in game one. But knowing Dave Chisnell will do the complete opposite to what he did in game one. He'll score unbelievably and he'll turn it around. And as again, I backed Dave Chisnell last Sunday. I've got to stick with it. I can't plan out my tournaments. That's changing around just yet. Still time for it to go horribly wrong and sort that out come Thursday night uh, and then jump on a winner and, and claim it all along. Uh, Dave Chisnell, 11-8 for me in this one. Uh, out early, out of the blocks, struggle a little bit, let Dimmy back into the game, but he will sneak over the line. That is tomorrow's predictions all done from myself and Lee Boys. Thank you very much for everybody that has joined us in the chat room once again tonight. You guys have been absolutely amazing. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, thank you very much for downloading or listening, whatever you're doing throughout the day as well. Um, we hope everybody listening enjoys the darts again tomorrow night and enjoyed tonight as much as we have. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias. I'm scrolling across the bottom for you throughout the night. Uh, like, comment and subscribe to the channel. Pop over to YouTube now that we're finished to watch the rest of the interviews and be back here at similar time tomorrow night um, where we'll have the first four victors in round two. Uh, all that's left now to do is to say thank you very much to Lee for joining us. Thanks for joining the background and Phil Boyce. Enjoy your night at the hallowed palace that is Pop World Blackpool. Um, and we will speak to you all tomorrow. Thanks for watching, guys. Have a good one and good night. Thank <laughs> you.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.